3: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.
3: <laughs> now, Fraser. Harry Wilson's had the block. Harry Wilson's wasn't. Bournemouth rewarded for an excellent start to the game. And in their battle against relegation, that is another significant moment. Fully really justified, fully really deserved by Bournemouth.
1: The upstarts, again, the Good morning and welcome to episode 78 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis. This week... We're joined by Tony, or Mr Tiggs to you and me, as we go over yesterday's encounter against Sheffield United in what was billed as another crucial match for the Cherries. Now... If you don't know Tony, then I'd advise you pop over to our YouTube channel and check out our weekly videos with him and ex-Cherry striker Tony Funnell back from, what was it, 1981-83. Scored a number of goals from AC Bournemouth, including some which got us promoted at the time. And he gives his predictions on the Premier League matches this weekend. Sadly, he got the Cherry Sheffield United one wrong. But yeah, Tony also features regularly on our post-match interviews too. So coming up we take a deep breath and we go over the events at Bramall Lane as myself and Tony get our teeth stuck into what it was a very windswept clash up north. Also coming up whilst it's a long time away we'll also be looking forward to our next encounter against Burnley. Yes it's another horrendous trip up north and Hopefully, we won't be coming home pointless again. But even at this early stage, we'll look ahead to another big clash against Eddie Howe's former side. As well as this, I caught up with Louise Clark as we chat all things AFCB. Now, in light of Philip Schofield's news last week, there are a number of people who question those kind of stories. Should they even be news? Well, Louise is part of the Proud Cherries and we ask her why she thinks it's still important. So... That's all coming up on the show. It's an action-packed one, but first, let's do this. So, this week it is a topical Do You Remember question, with with a bit of a difference. Uh, We're going to play you a theme tune from a children's-based cartoon from the 90s. Well, we say it's topical. You'll see why at the end of the show when we provide you with the answer. However, we're going to give you a tune. We want you to tell us what cartoon it is. Uh, Notably, we've beeped out the name of it. Here we go. Ah, I love it. So what is the cartoon? Yeah, a bit of an odd question. Uh, But if you didn't watch it, um, one of your parents probably did. Or if you're of a certain age, um, maybe your kids did. But stay tuned for the answer. Right then, on to yesterday. Tony is with me shortly. But first, it's time for your fan thoughts from the game. But before all that, a little bit of audio reaction.
3: Sermon's on the ball again, though, now for Bournemouth. It's a good spell for them. Intelligent play by Harry Wilson. Here's Ryan Fraser, and Harry Wilson, again, smashed in by Callum Wilson. Well, it's the perfect start for Bournemouth, one Wilson denied, the other Wilson capitalises. Sheffield United nil, Bournemouth 1. In goes another Sheffield United corner, in towards Berger. Ramsdale couldn't quite get there, Stevens belch
0: it back in, off the line and in! Billy Sharp! It's another one to add to the tally! For the veteran Dilly Sharp who scored against Bournemouth on the opening game. And he scores against them in the Premier League again. Right on the stroke of half-time. Sheffield United one, Bournemouth one. Here's Musse for Sheffield United. Lundström! Is that the winner? John Lundström off the Sheffield United bench. And he might just have taken all three points up in the Premier League. Sheffield United two, Bournemouth one.
2: Hi there, Uh, Kirk here, uh, season tick holder in the North Stand. I'm really optimistic today that we could uh, get a draw at Sheffield United, which would have been positive. Um, With the team selection, I was pretty much content. Um, Francis, I believe, deserved to keep his place after his performance he had against Villa. Um, Missing Lerma was obviously going to be the key position, and I think it was about right to play Sermon in there to give us that defence-minded um, structure that allowed Philip Billing and Goslin to be a little bit more versatile. Um, it was good to see that the first quarter of the game we performed like we have at the end um, after 30 minutes against Brighton and the first half against Aston Villa and um, to obviously take the lead and um, was really positive. Um, unfortunately, falling asleep uh, right before half-time and a poor goalkeeping error um, allowed them to obviously get draw level and give them the impetus Um, but I ain't going to blame Ramsdale for any of that because I think he has been one of our best players this season I was hoping to come out the traps in the second half regroup and a minimum finish with a draw, but as the game went on, you just felt like the goal was coming. Unfortunately, before they scored, I felt Fraser's chance was an excellent chance, and it was almost a shame that he felt he needed to hit it so hard and more of a confidence. If he was more in confidence, I feel he could have probably have placed that instead of hitting it with power. Um, they obviously got the goal, and unfortunately, we walk away without any points, uh, which now I think puts us on pressure that we definitely need to go and win at Burnley. Um, but we'll keep positive. Um, I think for me, Steve Cook probably needs to come back into this team um, somewhere along the line. But it has been a massive improvement and the players are seeming to put some fight in now. So um, we'll keep keep going. Uh, look forward to the next game and hopefully we can get a result of Burnley. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Cheers.
4: Well, today felt like two steps forward and then one massive step back. I'm thoroughly uh, hacked off after today's game. If you stop playing football and concede space and watch the opposition play, eventually uh, you'll pay the penalty. And today we did. We played the last 60 minutes like we were 1 0 up with 10 minutes to go. We were excellent for the first half an hour, which made it even more frustrating. Uh, three in the middle worked hard uh, they pressed in groups they were ambitious with the ball um, Andrew Sermon for the first half and I thought was excellent he's not a popular player at the club but I thought he had he had a generally a, a very good first half there was a real good tempo to what we were doing um, Callum Wilson held the ball up well and was a real handful and that's been a feature of the last few games actually his return to form and his eventual goal was well deserved Um Interestingly, at the time, when we were 1-0 up, we should have scored immediately after that, and we actually made a mess of two good situations, and I was concerned at the time it might cost us, and it did. As the half wore on, we got deeper and deeper, as we tend to do for some reason, and uh, despite some great defending from Ake and Francis, I think many of us could see that the equaliser was coming, and sure enough, it did. The way we played at the end of the half largely carried on into the second half, although with a little bit more composure in the odd situation we created we may have nicked a point which probably would have been undeserved over the game I just hope this doesn't cost us at at the end of the season. I suppose you could say, if I'm trying to find a positive, it was a better performance from those we witnessed over the turn of the year and we did create some chances on the occasions that uh, Sheffield United gave us the ball, Um, but it could have been such a different story if we carried on trying to play some football. It's so frustrating I thought over the last couple of weeks we got over this passive way of playing and it, which doesn't serve us well uh, and gone back to the more adventurous football that got us here in the first place my feeling is if we're going to get relegated uh, can we please go down fighting rather than sitting and watching the opposition play and hoping it will go, go our way after perhaps nicking a goal our last two wins were largely based on a high press and some direct football we need to go back to that
3: I was at the match again today, and uh, front row, and uh, getting soaked, soaked in between the showers. And it was a, uh, I thought the Bournemouth put up a brilliant performance. Uh, I thought uh, Sheffield United would end up winning, but because uh, the way Chris Wilder uh, does the team, uh, but I think uh, Eddie, I'm, I'm still proud of what how Eddie Howe uh, does does cope with the Bournemouth team, and uh, I just. I have I have faith in him, even if not many other people mm. do.
1: Yesterday at Bramall Lane, Cherries went down 2-1 to Sheffield United. The first half showed a lot of promise, but alas, um, we conceded just before half-time. Worst time to do it, and then Sheffield United did what they do, and they ground us down and then scored midway through. And yeah, unfortunately, 2-1 to Sheffield United. With me is Mr. Tiggs in What Is Your Extended Podcast Debut. Uh, Good to have you here, Tony. How are you?
3: I'm all right, not too bad. Uh could be better. Could be better. But hey, yeah. here we go. We'll, we'll talk about that.
1: So um for those of you who are listening to the podcast that maybe don't know you, can you tell me a little bit about your AFCB supporting history?
3: Yeah, sure. Uh so uh I went a few times in the 90s with a with a friend and his dad. Uh but I think back then I wasn't a, a, a massive massive football fan and I started uh getting interested in, you know, Premier League and I followed uh, followed Arsenal for a yeah. while, and then uh, I think it was about mm, I think about two thousand. Uh, I used to uh, drink in a local pub called the Angel over in Longham, and yeah. uh, the barman at the time said, uh, "Oh, I've got I'm going to the Bournemouth game. Who wants to come?" And, and a bunch of us all went along, and um, I had a brilliant time. And it was the fir- I think it was the first season in the new Dean Court. Um, we didn't play particularly well. Uh, and yeah, uh, I loved it, even though we were losing like almost every game. And you know yeah. that was the team of Chucky and uh, Narada, and we got relegated, and wow. the football league uh, uh, deal with ITV went out the window, and all those players that we had all lost. And it was you know an exciting but sad time. Uh, then we had the Millennium Stadium, and so that's kind of where my my Bournemouth roots come from, um, mm. and just followed ever since really.
1: Yes, it's funny you mention the Angel. I actually went on my first date at the Angel when I was 16 or 17 and I had my first mobile phone. I had a part time job at the Echo. Um, not, you know, not writing. I was uh, in the newspaper sales department. I wasn't a paper boy, but I was doing some promotional stuff for them. And I managed to get enough money together for my first Motorola mobile phone. I met this girl and texted her, went for a drink at the Angel, rang back the next day. No communication ever again. She didn't like me, Tony.
3: What was she thinking? I mean she must be think she must be kicking herself now, Sam. I bet <laughs> I bet she hasn't she... got her own podcast.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hey? Exactly. Oh my goodness, yeah, not not a good time at that age. Um certainly, you know, through the bad times from AC Bournemouth, also, you know, not great, but we find ourselves in the Premier League, but for the first time with a survival battle that we're going through, and today was billed as Uh, You know, it was another must-win match, really, against Sheffield United. And there was a part of it yesterday where Bournemouth fans were thinking, is this game even going to be on? Because the conditions looked absolutely dreadful, didn't they?
3: Yeah, they were awful. Um, And even down here, it was awful. So, uh, yeah. And the the fact that the game just down the road, that got called off. So Mm. what does that tell you? That's very unusual.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, As Paul Kenwood said uh, on a private chat, um, it's... It was never going to be called off by the looks of it. There was a lot of um, pressure from BT to have it on their only televised game Uh I think the only excuse that they could have called it off is maybe finding a fake bomb. Um, But, you know, Sheffield United, a decent club, they wouldn't make those kind of mistakes, would they? But um, we were wondering whether players like Lise Mousset would get blown over in the wind and also Stanislas for that matter as well. But it was a um, slightly tweaked team for AC Bournemouth. It was um, exactly the same barring Sermon for Lerma. Did that surprise you at all?
3: No, it wasn't very surprising. I think um, maybe surprising that it was Sermon. I mean, we... We thought they might keep Eddie might keep the same shape. It's worked so well. Two games now, it's worked well. The third game it would make sense. Don't change what is already working. Um, yeah, Lewis Cook though maybe out in the cold a bit there. That's quite interesting.
1: And it's funny when you look at the substitutions that he actually made. In hindsight, he just didn't think that Lewis Cook, um, you know, had any part to play in it. And it's quite it's quite interesting, really. Uh, The reasons why Jeff on the podcast last week, and also Richard, who, who sent in a message, said that, um, you know, there there must be some kind of reasons why we leave such our creative player, but he didn't have that great a uh, performance recently when he did have full game for us and I also thought maybe the conditions might play a part as well because Lewis Cook is famed for doing those long high balls over the top and the weather conditions maybe didn't suit that Sermon's known for his low passing quick slick along the turf so maybe that was another one of the reasons but to his credit in the first 20 minutes I think Sermon did quite well but AFC Bournemouth as a whole during the first sort of 2025 actually were you know were exceptional weren't they?
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of it's to do with the press. I mean, we were pressing them just like we have the other teams when we've won games recently, pressing them from the off, Um, and that was you know really good. It showed so much fire in our belly, to the point I think that even Jason Tindall was getting a ticking off from the referee. We had so much fire in our (laughs) belly, which is quite interesting.
1: Yeah, it was. And I thought most of the good things happened through Ryan Fraser. He seemed to be getting a lot of space down the left and he's not had that for a long time because there always seems to be a defender right in front of him. But he 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 almost seemed to have free reign down that left hand side. And he created one of the first major chances on, on six minutes where he... he um. He put a ball in for Harry Wilson, I think, but he kind of um, tried to guide it with his head, Harry Wilson, to the far corner, but or, but actually took too much off it. And in the end, it just trickled wide for a goal kick. Um, but it just showed his intent as well. And then he was on the scene again a bit later on. Good work from Dan Gosling. Um, it was Fraser who whipped in a free kick, and it, it got a touch... Um, And it was Callum Wilson, I think, who who kind of swivelled at the angle and it was a high shot. I mean, the ball was quite high, really, and couldn't really get enough on it and it ended up going wide. But all signs early on were actually pretty good. And Sheffield United didn't, you know, I thought they would maybe start really strongly, but didn't seem to be the case, did it?
3: Yeah, I think we we caught them on the the back foot. We were on the front foot there on the back foot. And it was really interesting for me to see uh, Fraser giving both Wilsons chances uh, as they sort of both went either side of him at points um so that, that was really exciting he definitely was our creative spark
1: um i know as a you know as a fan tony like you must be wrong because you're calling him fraser whereas professional footballer owen hargreaves called called him fraser throughout the whole of the
3: match <laughs> what are these guys on uh i don't know green eggs and ham that's a fraser joke <laughs> yeah
1: it's not um i mean i know that a lot of media personalities slip up over Stanislas but I mean I don't know where he's getting that eye in Fraser because um well you know maybe there is an eye in Fraser in terms of his uh, his contract negotiations but uh, <laughs> um, yeah um I thought I thought Fraser did really well and I thought Sermon pulled the strings Callum Wilson looked a bit more lively and alas all those were involved in our first goal and it was it was really well worked wasn't it?
3: yeah it was really well worked the, the way the, the three of them combined together uh and you know Wilson did what Wilson does best I'm talking about Callum Wilson uh, yeah, yeah. after being provided by Harry Wilson uh, it yeah. was a yeah it was a great goal and a great lift and you could immediately see that all that hard work was paying off and it looked like from that point on we were going to really get out on mm, yeah
1: it reminded me of the it reminded me of the Newcastle first half where we were so good in possession, uh, spreading the ball wide. We were good with our feet. Um, but there were, starting as the game progressed, and even moments after that goal, I think it was Fraser that teed up Philip Billing. He sort of waited on the ball, Callum Wilson and and Billing coming forward. And he just lofted a ball, but Billing, sure he could have gone with his head, like in the second half, very similar chance, and ended up miscuing it completely. And... Um, I don't know, I just felt, uh, you know, the lack of clinicality at that stage in the first half um, may come back to bite us in the bum. And, you know, as it turned out, um, it pretty did. Um, It pretty much did. And I tell you what, there was a chance only moments after where Billy Sharp ended up hitting into the side netting, I think. And that was after Adam Smith, who went down very easy I don't know if it was a dive or whatever but the home side came forward and it that seemed to be the start of this kind of momentum shift didn't it in the second in the first half the second part of it that is
3: yeah it, the game got really kind of scrappy and there were kind of fouls here there and everywhere um, and Sermon Andrew Sermon had some real mad moments in there that uh, you know heart-stopping moments um, and then we, we just kind of seemed to run out of steam didn't we as, as they kind of built up steam it was really unusual
1: yeah, it was, and um, you know the fans were getting behind them. To, the, uh, to everyone's credit, I think uh, the you know both Sheffield United and Bournemouth, the you know the conditions didn't overly seem to play a part. I think you know b- before kick off they were obviously horrendous, really bad. But then they sort of eased off a bit. There were uh, you know still some high winds, but I thought the foot, I, I thought it was a fairly watchable game to be honest. Um, it ebbed and flowed, and Bournemouth played that brand of football that um, is so exciting to watch, but. Like in the Newcastle game, the uh, home side it gets into it. And in the middle of the sort of part of the game, the game sort of tailed off. Um, I thought originally Sermon and Gosling were sort of dominating uh, like the middle of the park. But then it just, you know, it just did like seem to go to pot. And um, well, let's just go straight to what happened just before half time. Billy Sharp, once again, our nemesis.
3: Yeah, like everywhere we go, he seems to come and haunt us, doesn't he? Um, And, you know, again, we were on the back foot. And I think it was their sixth, like six corners. So it was their sixth Mm. corner. And and bearing in mind, they didn't have anything in that first 20 minutes. That tells you what the the second half of that first half was like. Uh, And it was a scramble. And it just reminded me, it was almost, I went back and looked. It's a carbon (laughs) copy of that last goal that they scored against us. Um, Yeah unbelievable
1: yeah you you know even before that they had so many chances and it seemed to be a lot of our deflections were being um we were being plagued by um you know our clearances hitting other cherries defenders and it looping up in the air and um even you know for the goal it was I think it started off with a with a corner that went oh I can't remember maybe it was like the chance before we're doing this literally straight from the game but um there was a chance where it went over everyone and they picked it up at the far post. We almost set up for the first wave of attack but not the second so we were a bit at sixes and sevens and you know they were getting shots away um sort of fairly easily Ramsdale um, pulled out a couple of saves. Nathan Ake was in the right place at the right time. What what Bournemouth players for the first half at least stood out for you as being you know some of the more stronger players?
3: Um, I thought uh, Sermon had a, a good first half apart from a few mad minutes. Considering he hasn't started for us, I don't know how long last yeah. year probably some point long time in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, really long time in the Premier League. Um, Ake was doing his you know his his job. Um, Francis. He did right, didn't he? I didn't you know um, yeah. you don't if you don't notice Stephen Francis, you know he's doing a good job. Sorry, Francis, sorry. You know he's doing yeah. a good job. Um and how I mean, it
1: surprised you that he started over Steve Cook again or not or not really?
3: No, uh, I don't think I think Eddie's not gonna change it unless he has to. I think that's his yeah. thing at the moment. Um I think he's got a togetherness in the group and he doesn't wanna he doesn't wanna lose that togetherness. Um but Callum Wilson, I think for me, he was my standout. Fraser and Callum Wilson, actually, because Callum was running the channels. And when he does that and he holds up the ball, it just allows everyone else to come up and join him. So that that was good mm. to see.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it was a one all at half time. I felt really deflated at that point and almost, you know, the onset of the inevitable. Um, and, you know, the way that they were creating chances... Um, you know, towards the end of that half, even before the goal. I think McBurney had a header, Norwood had a shot which was deflected. Thankfully, Ake uh, got something on it. And, it, and it and, you know, from the angle that we were at, I was thinking that's, that's going in the other side after Ramsdale committed to the dive to his right, went to his left, but thankfully wide of the post. But, um, uh, yeah, in a way, it was a funny old school scoreline. You know, maybe fair in some ways. Um, but, you know, second half, I thought, right, this is our chance now. Playing towards our own fans, um, but started I thought fairly fairly poorly. Um, Sheffield United just just sort of soaked up a lot of possession. Every so often they just pumped a long ball forward, and their strikers, to their credit, I thought did you know did really well at holding the ball up. And there were a couple of their players that really shone today.
3: Yeah, I think it's almost as though that that half time. I don't know what the half time talk was, but it really felt like we just picked up the beginning of the second half, where we left off at the end of the first half, um, mm. and, and they had a lot of the ball. Um, Ransal made a really important save, as you said, I think, at the beginning there, didn't he? And then, yeah. um, again, Sermon caught my eye again because he lost his cool uh, yeah. quite early Ooh. on in that second half.
1: Very unlike Andrew, isn't
3: it? Yeah, very unlike it. I like the way you said that, then. Very unlike yeah. Andrew, uh, a <laughs> yeah. friend of the show. No, he uh, he had a few niggly moments, didn't he? Um mm in the middle of the midfield he lost his call and of all people to to Shave, mm. he went for for Wilder and they both got a yeah. yellow card
1: yeah that's right yeah i mean Wilder i can you know i think he's quite easy to provoke a reaction from but sermon quite interested that he got involved there but uh, i don't know at that point we were we were messaging privately and we thought well he is fading Surely this is time for someone like Lewis Cook if you're going to change things. And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, right, what do we do? Do we stick or twist at this point? Do we stay with what we got and you know try to grind out uh, this one, all that we've got, or you know go for broke? And um, he did make substitutions a bit later on, um, you know, keeping to the same formation. But um, I thought Lewis Cook might have been a good player to get involved because they were dominating that middle, just needed a player to crunch into a few challenges and uh, win the ball back and show him who's boss. But we didn't really have that. Um, I thought we we did manufacture a good chance. It was Nathan Ake, actually, on 60 minutes. Very similar chance to Callum with the way he took it, facing away from goal and chest it down. It was after um, Rico got that slap to the face. And I don't know how loud your TV was, but it sounded so loud. The microphone yeah. pitch, uh, pitch sound effects captured his uh, his kind of... Yeah, he, he sounded like he was in agony, but you look back, it was a, a brush to the face.
3: Wasn't it? Yeah, there, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of this... Um, Billing did it a few times as well, just a little touch and he went down and he sort of rolled about a little bit. And I and I get it. I, I, I completely get it. And every team in the Premier League does it. Yeah. Um, mm. But there were moments today where one of our players did it, Smith did it as well at one point, and mm. you could see that actually if that player was up on the field and they were running, they would be part of this attack that we were trying to form yeah. and that it just it was so frustrating to see that um, but you understand why it happens, I guess now, I think at this point um around about that time is when we started playing a little bit deeper and deeper yeah. and deeper, and Fraser, for all of his spark earlier on, just started to go out a little bit and find it mm. harder but then he he did a remarkable thing from nowhere, didn't he? I think uh, he had a, a, a rocket of a shot.
1: Yeah, he did. Um, that was that that was brilliant. That started off with um, yeah, because at that point I was watching, it, I was thinking, well, we're not really we're not really attacking with zip in the first half. The you know the passes were quick. As you know, Tony Funnel on YouTube a channel used that word zippy, and he said that rather than overplay doing the six or seven passes, there were a number of attacks in the Villa game that only involved three or four passes, and they were quick, they were zippy, they were fast, and they got us going, and I felt as though we kind of waited a little bit in the second half, and very laborious on the ball, um, but it was one of the best chances that we had when F- F- Philip Filip Billingheve, um, and he started the attack, went wide to the right, and it, it culminated with Harry Wilson you know, cutting in, and... A crossing in for Callum who f- just lays off, clever little touch to Ryan Fraser. Who, yeah, he who rocketed a shot. Good save by Henderson, but I honestly thought that was going in. But that you know that you know that did show some intent, didn't it?
3: Yeah, it did. And then from that point, Eddie tried to show some intent as well to kind of he's thinking you know we can we can gain a bit of momentum here, and he was trying to bring Josh King on for for quite a period of time, um, mm. and then eventually did get him on, but taking off uh, Harry Wilson. Um, which I can understand. We sort of wondered maybe because Ryan Fraser was getting deeper and deeper whether it would be him. But it does make sense to take off, I think, uh, Harry Wilson at, t- at that time.
1: Yeah, he's he, he's not done sort of many 90 minutes for Bournemouth. Now, I'll, I'll be interested to see the possession stats. I'm just going on because I've got to say, as the match went on, it felt like Sheffield United just... Eight more chances and there were many balls over the top um, they were getting more shots away yeah I'm looking at the stats now 16 shots to Bournemouth's 10 um, six of them on target only two uh, they had twice as many corners as us as well so you know they dominated in every department um, they even conceded more fouls as well um, but yeah it's um, I found it kind of really frustrating to watch and there were some weird moments in that game just like you know Rico some of his some of his passes one of them was smashed with his left foot out of the pitch on the other side. And then the other, well, I don't think he even touched the ground before it went over the goal line. It's a, It was just, the, and he kind of, the camera panned in on him and he, he was looking at his kind of lower back as if someone pushed him. But, I mean, yeah, he, he faded out and it was him that got caught out, actually, where Bulldog got behind him, the ball over the top. Um, and then it was Adam Smith who blocked Mousset, preventing the blades going 2-1 up. But at that stage, you, you just felt like it was coming, didn't you?
3: Oh, completely, and you know, all credit to Adam Smith because um, that was a certain goal. I, I yeah. you know, how he magicked himself there, and you, you're right about um, Rico. It's really interesting Rico because he has these amazing games, but he does have these odd moments in games when the ball comes over the top. And Tony Funnel, hey Tony mm. again. Uh, he he often says to he said to me at the beginning of the season when I was singing Rico's praises, he was saying yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but if you look at him, he does look quite panicked. Quite often, he's not a cool character, Rico. He doesn't like having to be backtracking or running back, Um, and I think he really, he really did get caught out this time. But then I think that was the start of our backline getting caught out quite a bit throughout the game.
1: Yeah, that's right. And you know, in amongst Sheffield United, it seemed like persistent pressure. We had, we had one. Opportunity With Billing at the far post Which is very similar really To the one just after The Callum Wilson goal Where uh, he opted to Like stick a leg out Rather than get ahead on it um, When Fraser put a left foot cross in And miscontrolled it again and it's just so frustrating Moments later Sheffield United 2-1 um, Lundström Assisted by Lise Mousset Ugh um, Caught napping in the box Um shape went to pot, I think, because Dan Gosling wasn't sort of tracking back, but he had to track back because Frano was pulled out to the right. Um, Ake was marking his man and it it was a fairly simple finish. And at that point, I just thought, right, this is it. It's, I, I couldn't really see us coming back. Even Josh King's introduction, and then what later on with you know Solanke coming on as well, uh, we just didn't seem like the same team, did we?
3: No, they, I mean they, when I looked at that goal. He just kind of strolled through us. It looked so easy, and um, you know there was such a big gap in the middle there, and you could see as soon as the goal went in, everyone was looking at each other like, oh, what? How did that happen? Mm. Well, we know why it happened because nobody really knew who was picking him up. Um, but yeah, then we looked panicked. Then we looked like we had urgency, which is, you know, good to see some urgency. We needed it earlier on, but they were just too much and they could hold their shape far better than we could in, in the closing moments.
1: Yeah, and then uh, just a head-in-hands moment when Ake nods wide from Rico. Great delivery by Rico, on it? And just couldn't get enough on it. He had a number of people around him, but couldn't. And then, yeah, 2-1... To Sheffield United and this weekend, Tony, was the ideal time for Bournemouth to get three points. But as it is, the sort of collateral damage isn't as bad as it you know could be because other teams could have won and we could have been a lot further down. So we're in the same position as we started, but it's another match. You know, we're running out of matches now to sort of get further and further away. And that was one of the winnable games. We've got Burnley and then we've got a run of quite awful fixtures. Um, it's just fortunate that there are some other clubs like West Ham you have got like six disgusting matches uh, <laughs> between now yeah. and then. Um, you know, Watford are also, um, you know, could have picked up three points. They didn't. They drew against Brighton, which was in our favour. And today would just have been ideal to get a point. And there were some people that said, you know, I think it was um, Ashley who submitted a voice clip on the podcast last week, said, you know, if we get two points from Burnley and Sheffield United... I'll be happy with that. Um, but as it is, that sort of now puts the pressure on that game a bit more. And Burnley are always a very difficult team to play. But what are your overall feelings about the position that we're in now?
3: Um, it's not great. Uh, mm. You know, And and even if we'd won today, I'd probably say it still wasn't great. Because I think... When you look at the fixtures, as you rightly said, that we've got you left to play, we've got a lot of really, really tricky ones that we're not expected to win. Now, I'm not saying that we're expected to win against Sheffield United, but, you know, the odds are going to be much shorter, aren't they? Um, So, oh, it's not not amazing. However, I think we still look today much better than we did in December, uh, the month that I like to forget. Um,
1: Is that because you hate buying Christmas presents, yeah?
3: (laughs) Uh, I like, like I like getting them though. Uh, one yeah, thing yeah. I did notice today, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, and that's um, Ramsdale's uh, the first goal that went in and his role in that. Mm. And it seems odd, doesn't it? You know, our best player is is getting uh, scrutinised a little bit for some of the yeah. the decisions that he's making.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. We asked for your uh, five word match reports at full time. If there's any that. Um, Dick out, Tony. Stick your hand up and, uh, yeah, we'll um, you know we'll chat over them. But we asked for your five-word match report, so we'll go through a few of them, but uh, feel free to check out our Twitter for a look at these. Um, Ashley said, concede space and you'll concede. Patrick, cherries sliced by the bl- uh, blades. Paul Kenwood should not have lost that. Um, Their substitutions were more effective, uh, said Tommy Heffernan's poodle. Uh, Chris Hubble, not bad, well played, the ref was good. Chris, five words. Come on, mate, but we'll let you off. It's absolutely fine. Should have kept Lise Mousset, said Craig Beasley. Should we have? (laughs) (laughs) Tony is in stunned silence there. Uh, I hate not attending games, said Andy Jennings. Uh, Yeah, um, well, judging by the weather, I'm, I'm not sure I you know, hated not attending today. I um I consider myself lucky. I'm going to Burnley next weekend and uh, sorry, next time, so that's uh, gonna be a, a bit of a trek. Um hopefully more fruitful than today's.
3: I mean, the end of the day, the last two games we've won have been at home and, and you know, we all feel I think I feel certainly that the reason for that is is the atmosphere that we created as fans. Yeah. We're not gonna yeah. be able to create that kind of atmosphere on the road. So um that is a little bit of a worry.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, why take Wee Man off, said Matthew. Uh, energy required all game, please, said Steve. Um, also got Refrigeration Red, saying we really miss Jefferson Lerma. Um, Gavin Meaden. final ball not good enough. Uh, stay on your feet, Smith. Yeah, as we alluded to earlier, Will Partridge, terrible substitutions. Cost cherries points. Uh, what a long journey home, blah, blah, blah. There, I mean, there's a lot of you. But one thing we're not getting is anything towards Eddie. Um, there was that one tweet there um, and I was in an interview on Talk Sport uh, with Max Rushton actually um, earlier on the, on the Sunday and they, they asked me about like, Eddie Howe. Um, I think it was a little bit lazy in a way because that, you know, those questions should have been asked like three weeks ago. But um, what do you think of his substitutions today, Tony? Would you, would you call it about right? I mean, for instance, Lewis Cook, are you in the Lewis Cook should play camp?
3: Um no I I you know I I in Eddie we trust and I I still believe that and if Eddie's not playing in there's there's a really good reason why um I thought he made good substitutions today actually in terms of I thought the substitutions he made I could see could have changed the game you know he he brought on King who's a different type of player um to um Harry Wilson and I thought that might give us another outlet alongside Callum Um, and I could understand why he brought Stanislaus on, because I think, you know, Fraser had worked so hard throughout the whole game that he was starting to flag a little bit, and he was getting deeper and deeper and deeper, and I think it just gave us a little bit more urgency. Um, Solanke, well, you know, he, he brought him on because we needed an extra man up front, because we were chasing the game. So, I can understand his substitutions. I think that The thing that people always say and the thing that people always, if they're going to give him any criticism, is is how late he makes substitutions quite often. But um, I just think that's Eddie Howe. and He's not going to change that. He doesn't like to make early substitutions. He worked on a system, worked with players all week, and he wants to see that come to fruition. And if that means he has to give them a little bit longer on the pitch than we as fans want him to, then well, that's his prerogative, I guess.
1: Yeah. Very true. Um, we'll close by just talking about Sheffield United quickly. Um, impressive, really. Um, well drilled, they dominate. They don't do anything brilliant. Sometimes they revert to the long ball, and it can be effective for them. But you know they're also not that bad playing through the middle of the park as well. They've been a, a relative brush of brush of air, I was about to say, but you know what I'm trying to say in the Premier League, and now two points below Chelsea in fourth. Um, they were, you know, they were very good today, weren't they?
3: Yeah, and you know, in a way, I'm kind of glad that fixture's out of the way. You know, they they because they are they are very good and they've done incredibly well this season. The trick for them will be, you know, can they do it again next season? The, sort of the pressure upon them will change, and people will start making outlandish uh, suggestions that they could be, you know, you know, a European place. And I think they will fall away a little bit. I just think you know, that's just the the nature of things. Unfortunately, it wasn't against us but what I also think is they could be the great disruptor for us couldn't they I mean they could be getting us results now going forward you know no one's going to go there and get an easy game so um, hopefully they're playing a few of the other relegation candidate teams Um, they can do something for us
1: So, Tony now is going to go off and compile some notes ahead of our next match, which is against Burnley. Um, Yeah, it's a long way away, but still, we're going to do it anyway. Um, As much as Tony and I would love to keep talking about football on this podcast, we're going to take a bit of a break because there are some issues that transcend the sport somewhat. And this week in the news, whilst not a sportsman himself, the announcement from Philip Schofield on Friday about being gay has caused an outpouring of love on social media. But whilst the news overall has been met with a lot of support from many an individual, there are others that think it's perhaps not needed in this day and age. Well, To answer that, and a few other questions, I spoke to Louise Clark from Proud Cherries, which is the official LGBT plus supporters group for AFC Bournemouth. And I asked her to tell me a little bit about Proud Cherries and what her role is specifically as well, because I know the group has been established for quite a while now, hasn't it?
0: Hey Sam, thanks for having me on the show. I founded Proud Cherries, the official LGBT supporter group for AFC Bournemouth, uh, basically, um, we just want to promote equality within football and make football for everyone. We want everyone to feel welcome um, and get more people attending matches. AFC Bournemouth are absolutely fantastic in working with us and working within equality and, and diversity, which I think is an amazing asset for the club.
1: Great stuff. Um, I know that Proud Cherries was obviously a, a big part of the. Premier League's campaign week earlier in the season, which culminated on that Saturday match against Liverpool. Let's let's not mention the result, eh, Louise? Um But how how did that weekend go, and uh, what was the reaction?
0: Yeah, so Liverpool was our dedicated match, which uh, fell in line with the Rainbow Laces campaign. It went amazingly well. The club were really supportive. They're always keen to listen to our ideas and listen to what what we think will work and work together. So we always manage to get uh, new people to attend the match for the first time. that may find it hard to get tickets usually. We um, get them to really experience, if, if maybe they've been a little afraid or thought it wasn't for them before, it gives them a chance to attend a match. And, and enjoy it and, and realise um that you, you can feel safe and you can enjoy it in a friendly environment, which is testament to AFC Bournemouth because I think as a rule we have a brilliant club with some great supporters. Um also at the match we, we had our flags um on the pitch as the players came out, a dedicated uh, fans champion. We really promote the the signage around the stadium, really push the everyone together campaign, which, if anyone hasn't seen any of that campaign, I urge you to go and have a look um There's some videos I did one myself um and they're they're quite hard hitting um and they really get the message across um so as well as the Liverpool match we're often getting together, putting on events, and it's great because we don't only want to attract the LGBT community, we want to attract fans from all backgrounds um and, and enjoy these events together and promote inclusivity.
1: Hmm. So as I mentioned before, uh of course I referenced Philip Scafield's announcement, um, which you know, personally, I thought was brave and courageous. But despite this, um, there have been a lot of people online who suggested that it's 2020. In this day and age, a big thing shouldn't have to be made about coming out. Um, What would your response be to that?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, Sam. Um, It is 2020, and you're right. Um, You shouldn't have to be coming out. Um, But unfortunately, um, let's imagine... Philip hadn't come out, um, had just gone about his business. Um, uh, I don't want to make assumptions, but further down the line, maybe got a boyfriend. Um, I think th- the way he would have been treated, uh, the media around that would have been uh, far, far worse an option, which is very, very sad. Um, and it's the same within football. Um, you yeah, know, there isn't an openly gay footballer. Um, and I think we all have to question ourselves as to, to why that is, and it goes back to society. Unfortunately, when people still think that calling people, sorry to use the term, but "puff" or 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 similar or worse words than that, and and write it off as banter, um, it's not acceptable, um, and it does make people feel uneasy. um whether it's meant as ba- banter, it makes that person feel like it is aimed at them uh, and that because they they're different same love but different um, makes it come across that it's wrong and it's not wrong um, and we need to make sure as a society and as people we need to make people feel like they can be themselves
1: yeah cool so i mean what's next for proud cherries then i gather the next big event locally will be the born free festival i think that's around about july is uh yeah i mean what's going on for you
0: yeah so uh born free is a big thing coming up we are working on another event that um hopefully will be before born free hopefully the next couple of months Uh, as soon as i have more details um i will get them over to you sam maybe you could Promote that for us, um it's something that I think all fans will want to be a part of and come along to um so without giving anything away too early, um I'll let you know as soon as I have the details confirmed, and then obviously, yeah, we've got ball free, which is Bournemouth with pride um I'm actually a trustee of Bournemouth Pride um. We are moving this year to Merrick Park. It's going to be much bigger, much better. AFC Bournemouth, um, as a rule, are always down there on the family fun night. Um, they always take part in the parade. Um, so Proud Cherries are a big part of that. And if anyone else would like to come and get involved, um, we'd love to have you there. Um, so at the end of the show, I'll make sure that you've got my details. And please get in touch because honestly, Pride is, is brilliant. Um, the when the club get involved, it has such a great feel. Um, So the more the merrier. Come and join us.
1: Superb. And if anyone wants to find you or get in touch with Proud Cherries, uh, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Yeah, so the best way to get in touch is quite simply email us uh, on proudcherries at com. So quite short and sweet to remember. Um, And then we'll get you signed up to the emailing list. Um, If you have any questions, just email me and I'll get straight back to you. And uh, hopefully we get you involved.
1: Brilliant. Well, Louise, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, very short notice, but I thought it was a good a chance to tie in um, a proud Cherries. And given that you're so busy on that weekend against Liverpool, we didn't have a chance to chat. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And uh, like me, I'm sure you'll be looking forward to Burnley.
0: It's been a pleasure talking to you, Sam. So thanks for having me on. Cheers.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Botto, making some noise for the boys on Back of the Net. So, whilst it's quite a while away, and uh, no doubt we'll be bringing you an up to date preview on YouTube nearer the time, uh, if you want to go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, by the way, it is youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Uh, Mr. Tiggs, Tony, he is rejoined me, and uh, we're going to preview the encounter against Burnley, which is on February the 22nd. And, uh, well, it's each and every match, Tony, that we seem to be coming up against, it is crucial for the Cherries as they continue to try to pull away from the relegation zone at Turf Moor didn't quite happen at Bramble Lane hopefully it'll happen there it's going to be another tough encounter against a side that just seem to seem to get on over us every single time we play them
3: yeah I mean it's going to be a fight isn't it it's you know we know it's going to be uh, we know how they can play and how physical they can be is Lerma back
1: yeah, he will be back for that one. It was only a one-game uh, suspension. It's a bit weird, actually, because after the first booking, it was two, but then the Red actually conversely took it down to one. But if he gets booked again, he gets two. So I don't know how it works. They just, I was, like Mystic Meg, plucking numbers out of the air, I think. I'm not really sure, but um, yeah. it's um, It will be good to have him back as that leader, not maybe vocally, but by example, in the middle of the park when it,
3: Oh, completely, and uh, it will be crunching in the middle of that park. Um, I think I am predicting that Lermel will come back. He'll lead us to victory, and then uh, and then he'll get another yellow card. And do we lose him again (laughs) for another
1: two games or something crazy? Just make it just make it even harder for us, Jefferson. Um, In terms of the team formation, I mean, Burnley are always very rigid. Usually, sort of four four two. Sometimes they just have the one man up front. But um, obviously, Josh King um, will have another couple of weeks to get his fitness fully back. Um, obviously, he's always a threat when he's on the pitch. Dynamic, quick, powerful. Wondering whether you know Eddie could maybe shoehorn him into the side somehow, either in a four-five-one or perhaps going back to the old four-four-two that we know and sometimes love.
3: Yeah, I, I think there's a really good shout here for a formation change back to the four-four-two. Mm. There were points in the game today against Sheffield United where Sheffield United were bypassing us. Completely mm-hmm. our midfield. And considering we've got three of our players in there who, you know, the ball was going over the top of them. Exactly. I think
1: that's where they d- did really well, just bypass it completely.
3: Now, Burnley, we know Burnley, and we know that Burnley are likely to play a, a, in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they could try and nullify our midfield through the way that they play and mm-hmm. uh, getting the ball up early. So maybe a 4 4 2 might be a way forward because I don't think we're going to be able to have the same. Impact with a midfield three that we have been able to against Brighton and against Villa. Mm.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um, and who knows what's going to happen between now and then. So as I say, we'll update a, a preview on YouTube uh, sort of later on. Um, obviously, no podcast next week. Not much to talk about. Burnley travel to Southampton uh, next weekend. So um, that's a match I mean Burnley in the league at the moment. They are eleventh on thirty-one. Southampton also on thirty-one as well. So it's um, it's a good chance for one of those two sides to get into the top ten. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's a lunchtime kickoff on BT Sport, I think. Um, and yeah, I don't know It's just every match is getting more and more pivotal And I just wanted one of these matches To sort of take the pressure off It didn't happen against Watford um, And it hasn't happened today It's But, you know, thank goodness We got those two wins at home, eh?
3: Mm. Oh, well if we didn't Then, you know, we'd be written off for sure Wouldn't we? I mean, we'd be Worrying about Norwich mm. uh, Catching up and overtaking us if we didn't um, Yeah, it's It is a worry still. It's still a concern. There is still lots of games left to play. All I'm kind of hoping is, do you remember at the beginning of the season, you and I had a conversation and we talked about how we weren't able to lift our games against a lot of teams unless they were higher up the league than us?
1: Yeah, I
3: agree. Well, most teams are now higher up the league than us. (laughs)
1: So... That's a good. That's a good way to look at it, Tony. I love your positivity. Every week you come on, and I'm so glad. <laughs> and yeah, you know, you make some good points there. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tough match at this early stage. Um, I won't take this prediction too seriously, Tony, because a lot could happen between now and match day. But you know, what? What can you feel in your waters for this one?
3: Ah, oh, I'm just feeling deep now. I am feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling that it's gonna be a unbelievable. Four two win to Bournemouth. Wow! With the Stanislas, Stanislas getting two.
1: That well, I would take that all day long. I'm going to go for a less exciting one nil to Bournemouth. Oh, wow. um, I'll take that, Sam. Weirdly, I, I don't overly know how I feel after after that Sheffield United match, though, because I'm not, I'm not sort of crying into my. Uh, bottle of Estrella, like I was uh, the other week. It, it, it's so funny, Tony. I did, um, I did a YouTube video for. Um the same old Arsenal podcast, and it was one of these online video ones with full way. I think I think you saw a bit of it, and um, yeah, I had a large bottle of Estrella. So you know they do like these kind of obviously a standard size bottles three thirty mil, and then you get these like seven hundred or whatever. And some guy in the YouTube comment said, "Oh my goodness, he must be depressed. He's drinking a bottle of wine from <laughs> the bottle." And it wasn't it. It was a bottle of Estrella, but yeah. Hopefully, we won't be crying over a beer, and we'll be, we'll be coming away with a one nil win. But um, how does this affect your week now, Tony? Now that we've uh, we've come away losing
3: two uh, one. Oh, do you know what the the thing is that I hate? It's 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 not the loss; uh, it's the fact that I've now got how long to wait until to, until football can mm. lift me out of this again, uh, and that that's yeah. the sad thing, I guess. Um, but I, I still think that we we were playing better football at points than certainly we were previously in this season.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And that first 30 minutes was, you know, pretty positive, I thought. Um, and also, you know, the matches that... Uh, I mean, I don't know when the West Ham-Man City match is going to be rearranged to. So, the, I mean, I know that West Ham's next match is still going to be a tough one. But Burnley... Uh, sorry, not Burnley... Um, Aston Villa are home to Spurs and they've got a game in hand over us so you'd hope that Spurs would maybe do a number on Villa so they can't overtake us. Um, I think it would be, I don't know, I just don't want to get pulled further down into that mire. Um, and it's horrible that we now have to start looking at other fixtures. Uh, yes, it is all in our hands but we are now looking for teams to do us a favour which is not its not very nice, is it?
3: No, it's not, it's not very nice. And um, I think... You know what you said at the beginning of the season. You, you said it, and you said, you know, the league position is false, and you, you oh, need to look oh, at the yeah. points, not not the position we're in. And I think um, that is going to be key to this because I, you know, we're out of it, but we're not really out of it, and we're not going to be out of it until we get, you know, f- near enough forty points. Um, yeah. And that goes for the same for everybody else. And so you th- look at that league, and you know, all the way up to fifth, um, people could get pulled down into this.
1: Mm. Scary. Scary time as well. Hopefully we'll have a good uh, rest and try to not think about football for a bit and do it all again on the 22nd. Tony, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Relatively short notice too. I thought you were brilliant again. Thank you so much, mate.
3: Thank you, buddy. And can I just say one thing? Um, other oh. brands of beer are available.
1: <laughs> He's a pro. Tony, thanks very much, mate. See you, buddy. so superb to have tony on yeah jeff would usually be on the podcast but due to hurricane sierra kiera what's it called i don't know kiora whatever um unfortunately he uh he was traveling abroad and uh, due to the flight spling being canceled he had to get the train instead so he was out for the podcast so tony stepped in last minute if you want to follow him on twitter by the way He is at Mr. Underscore Tiggs. So, Tony, thank you very much. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great game to commentate on, um, but, you know, we'll go again against Burnley. Now, earlier in the show, do you remember? Do you remember? Of course, we had the question, the cartoon from, I think it was the 90s. It was on Children's ITV. It was American. So they called it soccer rather than football. Um, But what were they called? I'll play the theme tune once more. Here it is. (laughs) yes that's right they were the hurricanes see what i did there storm hurricane yeah I know I should be paid for this stuff, shouldn't I? Uh, Yeah, so that was the answer. Congratulations if you got it right. Right, we're going to be taking a podcast break next week due to the winter break. Um, There are a few matches in the Premier League that hopefully won't get affected by any storms or such like. So at least there'll be some football to watch. Or why not get yourself down to a non-league match locally as well, because there's plenty going on. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if you're kind enough, um, you can donate a coffee. Uh, Go to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee if you appreciate what we do. You don't give us a real coffee. It's just the equivalent price. And um, thanks to everyone who has donated. There have been a couple this week that I've got back to separately. So, yeah, thank you so much. Or if you can't do that, we'd really appreciate a review left on your podcast app Two, why not give us five stars we'd really appreciate it also subscribe on youtube because there's more content coming out including an update from canford magna where the training ground is we're going to see what's going on there so i'm going to pop down in the week and find out if any brooks have been laid down heads up i don't think they have but the ground's been leveled we'll see what on earth is going on there until then thank you for listening this has been back of the net the afc bournemouth podcast
3: Harry Wilson's ever blocked, Callum Wilson's wasn't. Bournemouth rewarded for an excellent start to the game. And in their battle against relegation, that is another significant moment. fully really really deserved by Bournemouth. They have started the game, the bright